0: Well, you know what I'm preaching on tonight? Yes. And you still showed up. Praise God. That's encouraging. Um, I'm going to... Uh, you know, this is actually kind of hard to put together in that. Um, I, I, if you believe the Bible... The, I'm going to tell you my personal belief about money. But Oh, yeah, kids, we're ready to go ahead and dismiss you. Um, most financial problems are self-inflicted. And God has given us a way out of everything. So as I was trying to put this together, I'm trying to figure out how to do it in the best way, uh, because there's two systems of operation with money, and I want to cover both. One is God's way, and one is the world's way. You can actually prosper in both of them. Uh, One way is easier, and the other way there's a lot of hardship in it, but you can still do it. Uh, But we're going to talk about some things. And Uh, There's things that I want to get to in application, but there's things that I have to deal with, first of all, uh, before we get there. So kind of bear with me. Uh, Is my uh, projector on? And uh, um, let's get to our first one here. I did. Okay, go back to presentation. All right. So we're going to talk about how to prosper and increase in wealth, and there's two systems. There's the gods and the worlds. Now, you have to keep this in mind, and uh, and, and both of them deal with a lot of the same thing. Uh, they're just done a little bit differently, and so there's probably, I'm probably going to step on somebody, everybody's toe at least one time, and uh, I'm an equal opportunity teacher, and so um, uh, I, I'm going to go through things. I, I there, There's no way to deal with this without talking about how we think. Here's a Dave Ramsey quote. Money is 80% behavior, 20% head knowledge. It's not what you do, uh, it's what you do, not what you know. This is, this is good news because most everybody I talk to said, yeah, it just doesn't interest me, you know, learning about money. You don't have to be a rocket scientist in e- uh, economies or, or no great strategies. Simple things can make a lot, of, a lot of a difference, but it's really what you do. And that is the problem is we're doing the wrong things. And all we have to do is make little adjustments, and little adjustments make big differences uh, in our money. Most people think in order to prosper, you have to have more money. It's actually incorrect. You, you can prosper with any amount of money. You, you've heard news stories where a guy on a bicycle who's, you know, roaming around town, picking up trash and uh, doing recycling and eating dog food, and then they go into the house, they got $300,000, you know, put into the mattress or something like that. Uh, it, it doesn't take a lot of money to start building wealth. So the, the thing I'm really going to hit on today is how we think. Uh, and that's going to translate into some things that we do. And so um, uh, So behavior is driven by thinking. Every single one of us has an opinion about money. okay? And wherever we are at financially, it's the result of that opinion. So, uh, you know, on the economic scale, if you're at the lower end, it's not that money's hiding from you. It's how you approach money. Middle class, same thing. Upper class, same thing. It's our behaviors of what we do and how we approach money. Most people have an I can't mentality. And I'm going to give you some examples of some things that I've done uh, because, oh, and I wanted to start off and say um, what really changed. you, You know the person that They know everything that needs to be known about diet and exercise, but they're overweight. Okay, I knew a lot about money, but I wasn't doing it. At the age of 49, uh, I did a a net worth analysis on ourselves, and we were negative $75,000. If we sold everything and paid everything off, we'd still owe $75,000. We were upside down. And I'm a few months away from my, six or eight months away from my 50th birthday, which was the reality of theoretically, now I'll never retire, but theoretically, um, 12 years from a stereotypical retirement at age 62, is this where I wanted to be when I turned 50? And I said no. Over the next 10 years, because I made some modifications, now we're like in the top 20% averages of American net worth. And in 10 years we changed it. And it wasn't that we started making a lot more money, we started doing things differently. And if you if you can get this concept of doing things differently, and making some adjustments, you can see a big turnaround in your life. So behavior is driven by our thinking. Now this takes us to Romans chapter 12 verse 2. I'm just going to quote this one: "Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation or a change in your life is going to come from a change of thinking. If you if if let's say we're not in good shape." And we just decided, changed our thinking and said, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk 20 minutes in the morning, every morning. That will change your physiology, just that 20-minute walk. Now, you can do You can go to the gym, live there for two hours a day and whatnot and change it a lot. But, but just a small change will uh, change, you know, changing your behavior. Uh, a person that Tammy knew, she was struggling financially. And uh, she ended up, she couldn't figure it out, made good money, had a house, had all these things, but was, you know, more month than the money. And then she uh, got hooked up with this uh, boyfriend, and he was kind of a nerd like me. And he says, "Okay, what we're going to do is we're j- I want you to just write down everything you spent. And uh, and she, "I don't spend any money, you know. Not, I just I don't care if it's a nickel. Just write it down, so we can just we're going to look at what's going on." And after uh, they did that for a period of time, they found out she was spending four to five hundred dollars a month at Starbucks. <laughs> now, that came about by four, four dollars, five dollars here and there and there wasn't a concept of how it added up see a little change dropping off that extra latte can make a big difference in your budget I was going through a budget analysis with a person they couldn't make it they were running out of money by the end of the month and I, I'm like doing all that I, I said you guys have money no we don't have money <clears throat> we're always running out well you're spending it no there's nothing else so I went back to the office. Do you eat out? Because that's actually a big expenditure. No, we, you know, one time on a big month, maybe two times a month after church, we might go out to lunch with somebody. But outside of that, you know, and this goes back in the days, it's like, it's like $20, $25. And so we were, we we're going through this thing, going through this thing. And then it dawned on me, this one of the people, one of them worked in Fresno. And I, I said, uh, so do you pack a lunch to go to Fresno? No, there's this little, like, this thing across the street over here. There's a little thing across the street, and I'll just go over there and get me something for lunch. Every day? Yeah. I said, I've asked you four times, do you eat out? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't count, count that as eating out. Your budget does, and that's where all their money was going. See, there's, there's little things that we do and that we can do, that changes. And so the scripture of Romans 12 too, we've got to be open to changing our mind. Like I said, I'm going to step on everybody's toes at least one, one, you know, once tonight. So just understand, maybe look at it. If I step on your toe, that's probably an area where maybe you need to look at a, a little bit deeper. So everything I deal with in this series is going to deal directly with your ideas about money. Now, there's a hundred ways to skin a cat, you know, as the old saying goes. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, a lot of mine is based on what I've done. Like I said, when we were turning 50, we had a negative net worth. We changed it over 10 years. I'm 61 now. And probably around 58, 59, uh, we had it totally changed. And so I'm gonna share things that, that we've done. There's other ways that you can do it. The only thing is, is where are you getting the idea from? From somebody who successfully did it or somebody who's selling you something? A lot of people buy things because there's a good salesman. And, and a lot of people like the get-rich-quick idea. One thing I've learned, because I've tried all those things, Ain't no such thing as get-rich-quick. Well, if you get win the lottery, you can get-rich-quick, but this, the odds are really, really against you uh, in doing that. But, uh, or you get an inheritance, you can get-rich-quick. But, but doing an, ende- an endeavor to get-rich-quick doesn't work. Slow and boring is actually the way to wealth. Uh, and that's how uh, a change that we did. Now, according to Dave Ramsey, 20% head knowledge means we don't have to be financially educated. There's just a few things we need to learn. There's some things probably within our, our budget that we need to tweak. And I'm going to hit a little. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to end up with Bible, the two systems. Then I'm going to talk about some financial things, taxes. That's going to be fun, right? And, uh, and how do we invest in different things like that? We're not going to go into tax code, don't worry. It'll be <laughs> superficial. But I, I want to deal with this. This is where we're all at. We, we, most people live right there in that circle, comfort zone. You feel safe? And you feel in control. Everything regarding wealth that is beyond your particular wealth right now is outside of the comfort zone. You're going to have to do something that's not comfortable. Now, all you have to do is get knowledge about it. That, that that can bring a lot of comfort. But this is really where most people live. I don't know what the percentage is, but probably somewhere around 90 92% of Americans uh, live in that. Why do I say that? Because less than 8% of Americans really go into a comfortable retirement. They, they, they won't do things. They only do things that they were told to do. Now, anybody have any idea on what the next colored um, circle is going to be? Uncomfortable? Well, it's not going to be that word, but it, it will fall into uncomfortableness. Fear. You're looking at my, my screen. Of course you're going to know it. You don't get to answer this. To get out of the comfort zone, you step into the fear zone. It's where you have a lack of self-confidence. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, it's where you start making excuses. I, I can't do that. I'm going to tell you some stories of things I've done where the amount of money was totally out of my control, but I did it anyway, and it's amazing how the money came. And, uh, and so uh, we make excuses. We're affected by others' opinions. Well, you need to be careful. You know what most people are that are careful? They're broke because they're gonna put their money in the bank. You know where the worst place to put your money is? In the bank. Yet people put money in the bank because, well, it's got 250,000 FDIC insurance. Do you know it doesn't always pay out? People have actually lost money with that insurance. But people, we have been taught to feel comfortable with the bank. And there's a a lot of better places to put our money, but people, that doesn't fit the, the thinking process. And so people, they get stuck in this fear zone, they go back into, I'm comfortable with the bank. I understand it. I know how, I know how that works. But, but they pay horrible interest. There, there's still people, there's money market accounts, now they're paying up to 5% uh, interest and people still have their money in a bank savings account earning less than 1%. Do you know why? It's in their comfort zone. And in order to, to do anything I talk about or, or to change the dynamics, you're gonna have to battle the element of fear. Of your lack of self-confidence, and uh, ha, ha, does does this ring a bell for anybody? I mean, has anybody ever hit the fear factor? You had something that you, it looked like you could do, but, but fear kept you from stepping out. Yeah. So so what happens after the? If you can break through the fear zone, what do you think the next zone is? Anybody except Karina. <laughs> what? Faith, confidence. Faith, confidence. Okay, it's going to take faith, confidence, and courage, but there's actually something that we can do. It's learning. All you have to do is learn something new. And that scares a lot of people. Now, here's the thing that a lot of people do when they want to learn something. They go back to traditional education. I'm going to go back to college and learn this. You probably won't learn it in college. Like College has courses on finance, personal finance, and things like that. But who's teaching it? Somebody who knows money, or somebody who has a job. a job. So what are you going to learn? See, if you want to learn about money, you ought to go, should go talk to somebody who knows how to make money, create money. And most people think that the only way to make money is they're having a job. And I've got to get a dollar more. I have got to get a dollar fifty more. If I can get a little bit more per hour, and we're going to talk about some of those things. But learning is where it really starts to uh, uh, dynamically change. Uh, we start dealing with challenges and problems. Because for every problem, there's what? There's an answer, there's a solution. You just gotta find the solution. Uh, I had an opportunity here most recently, in fact, I'm closing on a deal tomorrow, and uh, that needed $127,000. Well, I didn't have $127,000, but guess what? From January through, through tomorrow, I found it. I was able to pull it together. Do you know why I was able to? Somebody just said something. What? I wanted to. I started looking for it. I started trying to figure it out to make it work. It's amazing how when your mindset changes and you start moving towards something, that things start manifesting. Things start appearing. But what happens is the problem is the fear zone. We, We start, notice one in there is making excuses. I could find an excuse how I couldn't do it. That would have been easy to do. But I did not allow myself to, to stick on the element of, of making an excuse. It's like, it's out there, it's around me. I just gotta figure out how to get it into my hands. So it's a learning, it's acquiring new skills. Uh, I'm probably not gonna talk about it tonight, but there's, a, uh, there's an investment that I have, which is a stock that I sell call options against. It's a very simple, very easy strategy. And, uh, and I'm making about 24% of my money. That's actually a very good return. So if, if inflation is, they say it's like 3% now, something like that. I don't believe it. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, it's, if inflation's 10%, I'm still beating inflation by 14%. I'm making money. But I had to learn a skill set. It was actually very simple. But people get afraid of the stock market. Oh, I don't understand that. Or you, then you start talking about options, calls and puts, and all this kind of stuff. Oh, I don't understand any of that. That's making excuses. All you have to do is learn. And actually... Uh, There's this thing. It's called YouTube. It's got, like, everything on it. It's not that hard. Okay, what's the next zone? Understand? Doing something? Is it doing something? What was that? Applying. Applying. Actually, once you learn, once you get through the fear and once you learn, now you start growing. You find purpose you live dreams, you set new goals, you conquer objectives. This is the area where you want to live, and this is where God wants us to live in the growth zone. There, there's no limitation on what God wants us to do. Once you figure out that, if once you apply yourself and say, I can find the capital, I can find the opportunity, and you start looking for it, It will, in fact, uh, probably could get me because over the last, how long has it been, like just two or three years, your income's gone up dramatically. But there there was probably a shift in there where you said, I can do this. And then all of a sudden, the number started going up. It's an amazing thing that once you can hit that to where you know you can do it, which goes back to, uh, you know, fear has lack of self-confidence. But when you learn, you start building uh, self-confidence because you're acquiring new skills. You, st- you now start looking for what you can do according to your purpose. Now this is where God wants us, because in this arena, God can bring things to us and establish things in our life. And so, uh, and also, I want to say, if anybody's got a question, like just raise your hand, stop me. And uh, uh, one of the things that when I was asking people about like what um, um, is there anything I talk on, people said, uh, define words. And I'm like, what do you mean? And uh, I think I talked about this on Sunday. It's like you, you use words and we don't know what they are. So, so if I say something financially and you don't know what it is, don't feel dumb because a lot of people don't know it. But I'm probably not thinking of it. So just, hey, what's that word mean that you just said? So there are two systems of operation governed by kingdom laws Satan has a kingdom, God has a kingdom. Within a kingdom, there's a, a set of rules and regulations and laws that are ordered by the kingdom. So we have to understand. See, most people think they're just living their life, doing the best that they can. But we are actually living according to rules of a kingdom. And we need to understand and do it. So one, we have the kingdom of God. And two, we have the kingdom of the world. So I'm going to contra- or not contradict, uh, contrast some different things because... The same things are in both kingdoms, they just operate differently. And so the the first one that's going to come up here that I'm going to talk about is taxes. Does anybody know what taxes is? Do I need to define that word? No. But do you know that there's taxes in the kingdom of God? It's called tithes and offerings. God says that the tithe is His. What does the the IRS say? Those are mine. They want it. And so uh, God's kingdom operates on this. Now, it's interesting because a lot of Christians, um, they don't uh, tithe and offering. That's why I'm doing the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world, because there's some people that will just never trust God and they're going to live their life their way. But the great thing about the kingdom of God, that if you actually operate correctly on the tithes and offerings, God will pay your taxes. Do we have scripture for that? Okay, he'll rebuke the devourer, but what's another scripture on where he'll pay the taxes? The fish. Peter came and said, Hey, do, do are we gonna pay our taxes? Yeah, go catch a fish and, and there'll be enough money in there for it. Under God's system, he'll pay the taxes. Under the kingdom of the world, you're responsible for the taxes. Now, in the kingdom of God, if you don't pay it, God calls you a thief, but he'll let you be a thief and he'll never put you in jail for it. The IRS will. They want their money. So you can see here in the start that under these two systems, starting with the taxation of them, uh, there's a burden on the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom of the world side. There's faith on the kingdom of uh, uh, God's side. Now, just because, like we have an offering envelope, and there's a thing on there that says tithes. Just because you put a dollar amount in the tithes, does that mean you're a tither? No, because what is the tithe? It's 10% of our increase. If that doesn't represent 10% of our increase, then it's not a tithe, it's an offering. And, but there's promises associated to the tithe, and there's promises associated to offerings. And so if we don't understand it, uh, then we're going to, to mess up the system. But how many knows that there's two systems within the, the tax code of the IRS? Uh, no, that's a two, the two taxing authorities. Uh, but there's two systems. If you're an employee, you're paying more in taxes than some other people. Now we, we are through things. You know, Tammy has a pension. Uh, I have a financial job. Uh, you know, different things that we do. We, we make six figures. Uh, I pay. I, I looked at pulled up my tax return for last year. paid 11% in taxes. It's probably lower than most everybody else. If you have a job, and even if you make less than us. There's, like, the bottom tax rate is 15%, I think, today. It goes to, like, 20%. Uh, la- the, the year before, that was 2022, 2021, we paid, like, 6% taxes. So that's, like, almost at the lower income side, but it's because I did taxes for, like, 15 years, and I studied taxes on how do you, um, how do you make the tax system work. Uh, one CPA said, which I thought, well, actually, more than one has said it, but... Uh, that I thought was very good is the tax code is actually written to tell you what to do. If you will do what the IRS says, uh, they will they will reward you for it. Do you know who makes the tax code? Congress. Would Congress be classified as rich or poor? The vast majority of them are rich, having gotten rich in Congress. Um, so do you think they're writing a code to tax themselves more? No. Yet people vote for them based on their tax promises. But there's two systems. They can promise anything they want, because they know only the people that understand the tax code know how to use it, will benefit from the lower tax code. Now people say, well, I don't, uh, I, I don't understand that kind of stuff. Well, you don't, I don't understand all the pages of the IRS tax code. I find out how I can lower my taxes, and I gear things that way. Now, how, how many here would like to lower your tax code, or your tax rate? See, most people would like to lower the taxes that they pay, but they don't wanna do anything. Remember that after you get through the fear? Because most people are afraid of the IRS. You don't have to be afraid of the IRS. You just gotta learn how to work the system, and stay within the guidelines, you know, don't violate laws, but that's where the, the learning zone comes in. How do I make my life work on taxation? Uh, Donald Trump, the businessman, before he was ever president said, to to really uh, become wealthy, you first have to get your taxes to the lowest possible legal limit. Yet most people don't even think about that because it's too complicated. It is complicated, but you don't have to learn everything because you don't have to do everything. All you've got to do something that is that will benefit your household. In the kingdom of God, there's a growth element. It's called sowing and reaping. Um, This is the opportunity for gain. God wants you, and we're going to look at some scriptures here in a minute on that, God wants you to increase. So there's a system by which that you can gain. In the uh, the world, there's a growth, and it's called investing. It, too, is an opportunity for gain. Now, in investing, and I'm going to show some examples of this here in a, a minute or two, is... In the God system, he will set up opportunities to gain, to grow, to invest. And he'll put his super on the natural. And that's what we want, is the supernatural. Now, a lot of people want the supernatural of God without doing what God says. And so they do what they're taught. Do you know that a 401k or a mutual fund is the most expensive form of an investment? And the more successful you are in it, the more fees you're going to pay. Oh, no, no, I have a no-load. Yeah, no, you don't. That's only one part of the fee structure. And they're picking up on the back end on uh, um, other fees and and things like that. But that's where most people go. That's what Dave Ramsey preaches, get in a mutual fund. So who is a mutual fund for? It's really for people that don't want to learn how money works. So I'll just put money in this, and it's good for that. I'm not dogging it 100%, I'm only dogging it 70% because it's the most expensive form of growing your money. Um, And most people don't, uh, in retirement accounts now that are given with uh, jobs, most people don't even maximize the benefits of that. Uh, 401K is gonna have a lot more limitation on what you can do with money. They usually have a few choices that you make, but if your employer is matching your, your fund, like whenever I was in, in finance, uh, we had a 401k and they matched 50 cents for every dollar that I put in. That's a 50% return right there, no matter what it does. I mean, that's, that, that, that's going to offset a lot of fees. And so there are, there are times where, where it makes sense to do that. But then there's times when it doesn't make sense to do that. And that's where sitting down and looking at and say what is the opportunity can do? Uh, the purpose in the kingdom of God is to chase God, to establish his kingdom. God's very clear on that, Matthew chapter 6, that if you'll seek me first uh, in my righteousness, I'll give you everything that you need in life. Everything that everybody else is chasing, I'll take care of that for you if you put me first. So God's purpose is to chase him and do what he wants. Uh, under the, the kingdom of the world, which is the mammon system, the purpose is to chase money. I need more money. More money doesn't solve anything. Because if you just got money coming in, money going out, you're, you're, just, you're broken somewhere. And, and you need to, to fix that. We'll get into more of that when we start getting into budgeting and, and different things like that. So what am I trying to do? I'm trying to challenge how we think and, and what God's doing. Anybody got any questions so far? Y'all are quiet, just looking at me. It makes me wonder if I'm going over people's head. Go ahead, Evelyn. He's bringing you a microphone right now. Um,
1: I have a question. What's the difference between a call option And a binary
0: option? And a binary option? Um, I don't do binary options, so I I wouldn't be really able to uh, speak on it. But a call option, you have calls and puts. Uh, Mm -hmm. Call is basically you want the market to go up. A put is you wanting the market to go down. And then there's two ways you can buy or sell on each of them, and uh, they're kind of the opposite. Um, So, like, if you you sell a call, you're actually wanting the market to go down. You buy a call, you're wanting the market to go up. And so... um, I'll talk a little bit about that on my my strategy on covered calls. Covered calls, which is buy a stock and sell a call against it. That's where I'm making 24%. It's very simple. Uh, anybody can do it. Like I said, you can go, uh, it's called a covered call. You can go watch a YouTube video on that and they'll, uh, uh, they'll tell you the, the strategy. You have to buy at least 100 shares of a, any stock that sells options against it. And uh, what you want when you sell a call is the, um, so I'll give you real quick on, it, on the stock that I do it on. All I have to do is make $7 a week, and I'll get 12% interest. Okay, So I usually get a lot more than the 7%, but that's where I set my, my minimum. So I sell weeklies on it, meaning that every Friday they expire worthless. So I sell a, a, a $10 call. Somebody pays me $10, and if the stock goes above the, what's called the strike price, they get my stock for that price. Which is fine with me. I sell, I make, I made a, uh, I'll make a profit on the stock, and then I just buy some more if I want to keep doing it. Uh, but what I really want is for it to expire worthless. I keep the ten dollars, and I sell one next week. All I got to do is make seven, seven dollars. Sometimes I make sixteen. Sometimes I make twenty-four. Sometimes I make seven. But uh, but it's just a simple strategy. Every Friday they expire. Every Monday I buy. So the market opens our time, 6.30. I go in on Monday morning. I look, and I see what, what strike price I want to sell. I sell it, and then I sit, and I wait on Friday to see if it expires or that. I get called out. That's, that's the whole game. And, and I'm making 24% of my money. It takes probably 10 minutes on Monday and reading an email on Friday. That's how easy it is. But going back to a lot of people allow fear to keep them out of it. Any other questions? Before I move on, yeah, I heard some. Okay, Karina. So on
1: the growth and sowing and reaping, you're never gonna lose. I mean, it well, might take time. We
0: all have faith failures, so I'm not gonna say you're never gonna lose. The, and here's the problem with it: uh, the Bible says, you know, talking about sowing, he said, the Bible says that you don't know which shall prosper. So you should be in, like, what uh, Ralph read about Rick Rainer, sewing, 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 because you don't know which one's going to prosper. So it may look like something didn't, but it may have come back in a different way. So it's hard to measure, I sewed this, did I reap from this?
1: So, like, for example, like, um, I know it could fall under the tithe too, for, like, when Sam, when the car accident, it could also be reaping also because of the protection that she received in there.
0: Absolutely, especially under the tide. Those are some of the promises that are associated with the tide. And
1: on the world side, you're talking about the 401k, not only the fees, but you're also at risk of loss um, because it's going up and down depending on whatever because I've seen it on Jose's 401k, especially like around COVID, everybody got scared and So in the natural system,
0: there is always, actually on any investment there's always the potential for risk. Okay, now how attuned we are to God, because there's things I really thought God opened the door up, I did it, and I lost money on it, so it wasn't God, because he wouldn't lead me into losing money. So anything that we do on the kingdom of God's side, we need to be led, God will open doors of opportunity, and if we follow God, it will work. Now, I've said before a long time in ministry, what uh, God orders he pays for, what we order we pay for. So if we get up in emotions and we just think, well, this sounds like a really good idea, you may be right, you may be wrong. And uh, so that's how we want. But on the kingdom of the world side, you always have a risk factor.
1: And also for the reaping on the kingdom side of God, would you say that it could also come not only here on earth, but once we get to heaven too? Like as far as, um, remember, we talked about like the crown.
0: You could Um, say that, but a lot of people put that off as an excuse. He said, in fact, in Mark chapter 10, which I was going to read my offering, verses 29, uh, he said, not, no one has left father, mother, sister, houses, brothers, and all these names all these different things that does not receive now in this time a hundredfold. And then, I can't remember how it says it, but uh, in, in turn, uh, eternity even more. So uh, there's an element, and we'll get into it here in just a minute, of God wants us to prosper here naturally. So if we put everything off to the heavenly realm, then we're we're not going to be expecting anything in the natural realm. And God's very much, every covenant that God made with any man included prosperity. And so uh, we see that. All right? Keep going? All right. Opinions on money. Now, we all have have them. I have opinions on money. You have opinions on money. But we, we need to ask ourselves, where did our opinion come from? Because we did not originate opinions. We derived them from information that came to us. Whether it was Grandpa's opinion that, you know, we grew up and, and uh, everything like that. It's kind of like, let, let's go uh, with political parties. Probably, it's probably true for most people. But do you know why I registered as a Republican? You had to do What's that? If you had to choose one or no, my dad was a Republican. <laughs> now, at some point, I had to decide what I wanted to be. But most people probably register whatever their parents are, whatever they heard, and, and everything like that. And so uh, you look today, a lot of people have a lot of dumb opinions. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a gun guy, I like guns, and people like are afraid of guns, like, as though guns do something. It's not a gun, it's somebody that doesn't know how to handle it or has a bad heart. A, a, a gun has never shot anybody. A person has. Just like a rock has never killed anybody. The person did that was holding it. But people have these opinions. Why? Probably because of the environment they're in or what they listen to on TV. Uh, So, you know, things like that. So, but where did we get our opinions on money? Now, there's two opinions, and there's only two opinions. There's God's opinion. There's the devil's opinion. And what our opinion is, is something that we learn from either God's opinion within the kingdom of God or the devil's opinion within the kingdom of the world. Or, which came, like on the world side, which probably came from school. From a person that was probably living paycheck to paycheck. Or from a parent who was struggling to make ends meet. Now, none of that isn't found in the Bible. None of that, God's purpose for his children is not to live paycheck to paycheck or to struggle or anything like that, but we have formed opinions based on, in fact, just think about the, the phraseology that we had. They are filthy rich. Why is rich filthy? Because somebody didn't like it, or they're dirt poor. See where where did we get these phraseology, uh, you know? Or the baby's crawling across the the carpet, finds a quarter on the uh, floor, and what's the first thing they do? They stick it in their mouth. And what does mom do? Get that filthy thing out of your out of your mouth. And then she grabs it and goes puts it in her purse, her most treasured item. And so the baby oh, that was filthy and it went in her purse. I mean, they probably didn't think that, but over a course of time, doing the same thing, we develop thought processes about money. They came from someplace. God has an opinion on wealth, but the devil has an opinion uh, on wealth, too. So go ahead and uh, read Genesis 13 and 2 for me. Since I got a clicker, it's going to be hard to carry a Bible, so I asked Tammy to read my, my scriptures for me.
2: Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold.
0: Now, one chapter off of God calling Abraham, God making a covenant with Abraham, Abraham became very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Now, we see this through the Bible. So now, in God's dealing with Abraham, you have to deal with God's opinion of Wealth. he's not opposed to it. He wants, I'm making covenant with you. I'm going to do something through you that is going to affect all the nations of the earth. I can't have you poor. God wants us to have more than enough. Now let's look at um, 1 Peter 5.8. Go to the devil side. Got pressure on you, don't I? scripture search how fast can she find it first Peter first Peter that right before second Peter
2: be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he
0: may devour so the the enemy wants to come and take things from you he's walking around look God's wanting to make covenant with people and bless them so that they're very wealthy, and the devil wants to come and devour people. Let's go back. What about heaven? We won't look at all the scriptures on heaven, but anybody know what the gates are made out of? Old wood, right? Pearls. What's the streets made out of? I mean, you go through all of heaven. God is very big on wealth. Why would he want his children, when he comes back and he says, you being uh, good fathers... How much more would I take care of my children? Why do we think he wants us poor? Why do we think that he, he doesn't care where we're at financially? Uh, John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh, to key, but for only this reason, to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you might have life in more abundance, more abundantly. So God here in John 10.10 10, uh, uh, contrast the two. The devil's coming to take stuff away from you. Under his system, he wants you to lose. He wants things to cost you money. He wants things. He wants you to lose your wallet. He wants you. God wants you to walk in abundance. But see, if we have a mindset that that doesn't understand that God wants us to be abundance, we can look at this world and say it's all against me. But if I understand that God wants this world back and in the hands of his children, oh my goodness, there's a whole world out there for me to take. So how I think and how I form opinions, because we all have opinions, but we probably got it from the wrong place. Turn to Genesis 26. Probably wish I would have done that one when you're back there, huh? Because I want you to learn the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament. Okay, Genesis uh, 1 through 3, and stop there, and then we'll read 12.
2: And then there was a famine in the land.
0: Okay, hang on one second. There was a famine. Now, most people use this set of scriptures uh, spiritually that Isaac sowed, and then they turned it into seed time and harvest spiritually. But I want to look at this very naturally. Okay, there was a famine in the land, meaning things weren't growing, probably a drought, something like that. So go ahead and pick up and read. Because beside the first
2: famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell of thee. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee. And I will bless thee for unto thee and unto thy seed. I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father.
0: Okay, now notice, because there's natural environments, there's that cannot, and ever since Richard Nixon got in office and took the money off the gold system, uh, now the Federal Reserve can manipulate the money, so we go through recessions and uh, all these different things. But notice that God, even when there was a bad time, said, no, son, stay here and I'll prosper you. It doesn't matter that inflation is through the roof. God has a system where we can prosper if we will learn to operate in his system. Now go ahead and read verse 12.
2: Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a Hang on a second.
0: So Isaac sowed, meaning he planted his corn, whatever the crop was, in that land, which was a land of famine, things weren't growing. And what was the rest of it? And received
2: in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him.
0: And he received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now read the next verse. Thirteen.
2: And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very
0: great. Okay, so again, look at the heart of God behind this. God wants his people to prosper. God's not trying to hold things back. We're, we're comfort zone, fear zone. We're afraid to trust God. That's where it typically comes down to. Now read uh, 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. Probably would have been smart of me to give you the verses beforehand, (laughs) huh? Oh, you did? I didn't hear that part. 11 and 3.
2: But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ.
0: Stop and think about this arena that Satan deceived Eve. Who owned the whole earth? No, back in Adam and Eve's day. Yeah, there's two people on earth, right? What did God give them? Everything. Everything. What did they trade it for? Something that's going to last two or three minutes, depending on how fast they ate. But do you know that's the exact same thing that happens to people today? They spend their money for something that's only going to last, you know, a short period of time, and they forsake an eternity of living, or generational wealth to establish. Uh, Read 2 Corinthians 9.8.
2: And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work.
0: So again, we see that God wants us to have all sufficiency in all things. and Now, that doesn't mean to have so much sufficiency, you can buy every knickknack and paddywhack that you want, that you may abound to every good work. When the purpose becomes the driving force of our life, we will always plan according to purpose. Now, God does not want us broke or lacking or anything like that. God, He said, He's given us this earth to enjoy. Um, so, but there we have to have this uh, this purpose. Now, go to Isaiah 60 and 1.
2: Rise, shine, for their light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. I'll
0: read verse
2: 2. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon
0: so thee. So like with Isaac, in the famine, God says it does not matter how dark it gets. I want light to rise upon you. So again, we're seeing God's, God's opinion about how he wants his children to live, God wants us to live above, so people can see the God in us. Now, if we have a poverty mindset, if we if we think that it's wrong to have money uh, or something like that, uh, you know, then we're not going to try to have money. But God wants us to, not that we consume it upon ourselves and just live totally self focused. That's a, that's the mammon system. God wants us to do it. So we're... What is the fear zone based on? The fear zone is based on self-preservation. I've got to hoard up for me. Now there's nothing wrong, you know, in the Proverbs it says, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. So you have to store up something. But the mammon system has to store up everything. It's for me to enjoy, it's for me to do something with, it's for me to build, you know, have another thing. And it's like when uh, Rockefeller was being interviewed when he had Standard Oil back in the 1930s. And he was making a million dollars a day. And they asked him, how much is enough? He says, just a little bit more. That just a little bit more is where people are trapped because you'll never satisfy that want. Uh, so it's about self-preservation. and But it's also about the lack of trust in God. God wants to use us to fulfill his purposes. We have to have money to do that having all sufficiency in all things that we may abound to to every good work. He did not say having enough that you can go broke, supporting my kingdom. He wants there to be a flow of money into our life so that we can do everything that he puts before us. He wants us to have more than enough. So we have to understand this. Now, let me go into some of Hell's tactics. Um, Hell's uh, economy is based on the kingdom, or the economy based on the kingdom of Hell is founded on mammon. It's a Bible thing which is selfishness, self-preservation, and is the antithesis of God's system of sowing and reaping, allowing God to put his super on the natural. Mammon is very controlling, and there's three demons that really operate within it, it's lack, poverty, and debt, which most people find themselves in. And uh, because they're trying, mammon is the system of hell's kingdom. That's how the, the economy of hell operates. Now, mammon, which is found in Matthew 6, 24, is referred to as a master. It's when you are serving your money. You have to do this. Most people do not control their money. Their money controls them. The money dictates what they can and cannot do. And I'm going to get into some things on budgeting like this, on having a reserve so that you can do things and not living paycheck to paycheck. But it focuses on self and makes our money all about us. That, that person will not tithe, will not give, because the money is all about them. I worked for it, I labored for it, and it's mine. I should be able to do what I want. But God says, I can give you so much more if you use it the way that I tell you to use it. Uh, Go to Luke uh, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Is is this making sense? And the devil,
2: taking him up unto a high mountain, showed him... Showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him.
0: Okay, pause after this statement. Go ahead. The devil said unto Jesus.
2: All this power will I give thee. Okay. The glory of them.
0: So so the devil showed Jesus all the, the kingdoms of the earth. All this I'll give you. He possessed it. That's from Adam's fall. Now, now listen closely to what says what's coming up. Say it again. Or keep reading.
2: For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it.
0: Pause. Notice what the devil just said? Whomsoever I will give it. What's the rest? Is that the end of it? Uh, I can give it to whoever I want. Okay? So he says, whomsoever I give it, Christians are not on that list. Now, this creates something very interesting because if, if a person is a Christian trying to live under the world's economy. You're trying to live... The master of the kingdom of hell's economy is Satan, who's not going to give it to you. He's going to fight you on every level, and we give him authority to do that. The only way is to rise above the natural on the supernatural in operating in in God's system. I don't want to run over that too fast. Does that make sense? Does anybody not get that? want me to clarify it. If you're trying to, to make money under the mammon system and calling yourself a Christian, Satan has a control on that. He wants it in the hands of people that are going to inflict havoc on this earth and do horrible things. That's
2: what it says in verse 7. Do you want me to read
0: that? Go ahead and read verse 7.
2: If thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine.
0: Yeah, and that, that's really what he's after, our heart. And this is the mammon system that a lot of people get caught in. The devil was able to convince Adam and Eve that God was withholding something from them. From this mindset, they traded an eternal power for something that would last for a couple of minutes. And most people are Friday-oriented. They have no thought of the rest of their life. Most people, 92%, because only 8% of people have planned enough to to go into retirement that they're not struggling. 92% of people, uh, at least from the statistic the way I'm using it, has been deceived of this very thing. I need to spend it now. I don't know if I'll I'll live that long. I'm going to, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they're just here to enjoy it. And every month they spend going through there. Now, what people face today? A fear to move out of the comfort zone. This is common among so many people. Unless you break it, you're still in it. You're going to. uh, There's a thing about within financial circles that they talk about is money flows to where it is treated best. That means if I have my money in an institution and this institution is treating it better, I will move it over there. You know that most people won't do that because it's too inconvenient for them. Reba laughs at me all the time because do I have a problem changing banks? No. No, because if that bank's offering me something better than this bank, I'll go down there open and transfer my money over there. You're happy about me transferring things? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I transfer her money uh, to where it's treated better. Uh, in fact, we just did that today. So, so she had a, a – now, she wouldn't have done it. She's like, well, just leave it there. It's like, no, it's getting better over here. So she, was, she had some money in, a, in a, a thing that was making like 3.65 or something like that, but this one over here was paying 4.8, and so I moved it. And so I just signed into all of her accounts and did it And because uh, uh, she, she trusts me like that. But uh, uh, most people won't do that. Well, I've banked f- for them since the 1920s. And, uh, yeah, but they're charging you fees. They don't care that you bank that long. The bank next door is not charging fees. Why don't you move it over there? Well, I just want to stay here. I said I was going to step on everybody's toes at least once. People are unwilling to do what makes sense because they're feared, uh, they have a fear to move out of comfort zone. An inability to move out of what they know, this goes into the learning, uh, which is the majority, which the majority came from people who were broke. Most people, what they know is relative to the income that you're, or to the, the financial status that you are right, right th- you know, in today. Because you probably learned from people that you emulated, because that's what we do. And you have to break the mold. And you have to do things differently. Now, I haven't always been this way, but Tammy i will tell you, I don't think inside the box. I'm like, I don't like boxes. I, I, how can I make this thing work so that it makes sense? Uh, most people have a lack of vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or uh, they, they don't have the discipline to pursue a goal. Most people don't know why they want more money. It's to buy more stuff. And if God, God did, doesn't want us to be, he'll give us all, uh, all sufficiency in all things that we may buy more stuff. He said that we may abound to every good work. We should have more than enough that when an opportunity comes up, we can sow into it because we understand the principles of sowing and reaping. And I'm not saying, I, I, uh, let me just confess, I, I think three people in ministry, I've told them you're sowing too much. Because I really believed that they were. I, I didn't believe that they had the faith for what they're sowing and that they were beyond their, their means and that they needed to back it up. Because I'm not trying to get money out of people's pocket into the kingdom of God. God has a system that will work if we work it correctly. And there's, there's a small percentage of people, that they're just givers at heart. And they just give, 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 give. And, and there, there's, there's a, an arena in there we want to sow. We want to be able to sow in faith, but we want to be able to sow according to our faith so that God can prosper us and we can grow in it and grow in it and grow in it. So whichever kingdom, kind of maybe think about this one, whichever kingdom you choose to operate in, you've declared war on the other kingdom. say, so, well, how can that be? Because if you choose to to operate in the kingdom of the world, you're not going to tithe, you're not going to give. You're going to say, God, I'm voting to close your church down. Because Ralph read the scripture tonight, uh, bring all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. So if the tithes and the offerings don't come in, there's no meat. There's no supply. So whichever one, and if you're in the kingdom of God, then you understand the principles of destroying darkness. Your purpose, seek first uh, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, And all these things shall be added. So the purposes of the kingdom of God is to overtake the world. So we should be, it should not be. Unfortunately, it it is. A lot of churches are just receiving tithes and offerings to pay their bills so they can continue doing what they're doing. I don't think you've ever heard me try to do that. Everything that I've ever tried to get your faith faith released for, uh, for money has always been a project in missions or something outside of us. And uh, because we should be doing something that battles darkness. Now, what keeps people from learning? We're at the third stage. Most who want to increase their knowledge will seek out traditional education and be taught by people who have jobs. Seek education from those who know how to create wealth. Mark Twain said something like um, about education. He says, um, I'm all for education, something like that. And some of it actually happens in school. The majority of knowledge, not education, the majority of knowledge comes outside of an academic environment. Now, Robert Kiyosaki said it's, it's not, and I know that's a comma, and not, I, I just took the graphic off the internet, uh, internet. It's not how much money you make. This is where a lot of people get it wrong. But how much money you keep, how hard the money works for you, and how many generations you keep it for three things. You should keep money and put it to work to work for you that it will last generations. Now, does anybody not understand those three or any one of those three? How can money work for generations? Does anybody know or can give me an example? Say again. Well, it's gonna have to go to work for you, so it would be something that most people would call an investment. So how do we do that? What's that? A house, a rental house, not a home house. But a rental house that produces rents can be kept for generations and avoid taxation. See, a lot of people, when they get a house, and this is where a lot of people make mistakes, is when they get a house, they keep taking the equity out of it. If you have a home, which a home is really a liability because it costs you money, but then every time they get some capital appreciation in it, they pull it out on a loan and they deplete it on stupid stuff. Stop refinancing your house. Well, the rates went down 1%. Yeah, but it's going to cost you more uh, in the long run. That's what, Do you know why they're constantly trying to get you to refinance your house? Because it's better for them. It's not the rate. It's the infusion of interest. Because if you look at your payments on the front end of a loan, what is it? Like 80, 85% of the payment goes toward interest? They want you back at that. Once you start getting to the back end of the loan, it's all principal. they don't want you there. So if they can get you to refinance, they can continually get you to put your wealth back into their pocket. Now this should say more than often, but it says often. The more money you make, the more money you spend. Every time people get a raise, within a few months their spending is up to their, their new money amount. You gotta stop that. That's why more money doesn't make you rich, assets make you rich. You have, I know with me, anytime money comes in, I'm always looking to buy another asset. What can I, How can I take part of this and buy an asset? I'm gonna talk about different assets and different things like that, not tonight, but I have a mindset. I don't want to just spend money. I want to create something that's going to create an income, that uh, that I don't have to work. You realize that if you got enough money, that the the interest, the dividends, the the cash flow off of it or whatever, would sustain your living. You wouldn't have to work. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk more about that. What? They're broke they, within three because years.
2: Because they don't invest. They don't, well, they don't have assets. Well, actu- actually, spend the, money the
0: real reason them. is they do what they've always done. So they bring the large money back down to how they're living, and most people are back at uh, – like 80% of all large lottery winners are bankrupt within three years uh, be- because they're still living. Like if they were a $25,000, $40,000 a year household, and all of a sudden they got $10 million, they're going to spend it like they're a thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a year household. Because they don't know better. That's how they know how to handle money. People, th- And that's why people think that money will solve their problems, that if they get enough money they can live richly. It, it, it's it's the whole system of how it processes through your life. And, and if you can't handle $1,000 a month and prosper from it, you'll never handle $10 million and prosper from it. If you live paycheck to paycheck on a uh, you know $4,000 a month, you will live paycheck to paycheck on $100,000 a month. The statistics prove it out. Now, sure, there's the and anom- now anomalies of people who change and stuff like that, but the statistics prove out. You guys love this, don't you? Now, discovering an opportunity and overcoming fear. So I'm going to tell you about a story uh, that I had. So I was on a mission trip to Honduras. Uh, this was um, in 2019, and uh, I was sitting in a breakout session. I was not teaching, and they were asking questions. I don't even know what the breakout session was. So there was a man there <coughs> that started talking about, uh, he was a missionary there in Honduras, and he started talking about his business and different things like that, and he said he needed a loan. When he said he needed a loan, something went off in my spirit. I thought, ooh. So I, I looked and see what he was wearing, because all I could see was the back of his head. had a ball cap on. So when we, at the end of the thing, I introduced myself, and I said, what were you talking about? His name was Mike, and so I got to know Mike. He needed $85,000. Do you know how much of the $85,000 I had? Like, nothing. And uh, so I talked to him like I had money. So I have a father that has everything, right? So I, I asked him, this was in February 2019, I asked him, what do you need? And so then I started to get to know Mike. I wonder if this is a deal. I wonder if this is a God opportunity. I don't know. Uh, maybe it is. It sounds interesting. I'm always looking for ways to make money. And uh, but how in the world would I get $85,000? And so... Um, I did my due diligence on it, and uh, I called uh, our missionary over there. Um, um, I forgot his name. Adriana's husband. John. I, I called John and, uh, and asked him. I said, uh, tell me about Mike. He says, oh, Mike's a, a solid guy. He says, if you ever want anything done, or if we ever want, we go to Mike. Mike's very uh, top of the line. Duh, duh. I said, well, he presented to me this and this. He says, I, I would trust Mike all day long. And uh, so, okay. So that went a long way. I did my due diligence. Is there a risk involved in this? Yeah. yeah, what's the risk? He may not pay me back. He's in Honduras. I'm in America. Got a lot of legal stuff there. Um, and uh, so I found out he had a, a house here in the United States. And uh, and in that house here in the United States, it was in Maine. I mean, all the way across the United States. It's still in North America. And um, uh, But it's on the... the <laughs> the East Coast there. And so I said, okay, uh, I'll do it. I didn't have the money yet. I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, but I'll, I want to take a lien out against your, your house for security. And he, he found that was reasonable. He made the terms of the, uh, the loan and he said um, that he would pay an 8%, 8% interest and he would give 3% net of his net profit on his business. And so uh, I found a total of five investors. Uh, it was me, I presented Tiffany and Marissa first, and they decided to go on. So that was the three. I won't mention the other two. And then there was a, uh, two others uh, that we pulled the whole $85,000 according to how they were going to do it. And then uh, he just paid us off like last week. So it went from May 2019 to July 2023. Now, do you think there was ever any elements of fear that rose up? Like $85,000 a lot of money, right? he uh, pay. I mean, even if he doesn't pay, yes, we can foreclose on the house. In Maine, I don't want to foreclose on the house. I don't want to go through all that and try. I mean, I would have if if we had to do it to get our money back. But there was a, there was a lot of ifs ands or whats. But there was a peace of my heart. So now it comes back. If we went back to my, you know, you got the comfort zone. Is this in the comfort zone? And then it moves out to what the fear zone. And then it moves into. Uh, um, the learning zone. Now, uh, because they're probably hearing me. I've never done anything like this before. I'm putting it together as I go. Got my girls involved. What are they going to think if we lose our money? I explained to them, here's the ups, here's the downs, here's the this, this, here's the that and everything like that. So in that period of time, total interest and in business percentage, we made $44,911.16. Now, what happened in this? Number one, had to think differently. Had a person in another country that wanted to borrow money. Okay, how do we, how do we make sure we get our money back? How do we secure it? Uh, how do we collect it? All these different things. It was out of the comfort zone. Uh, there's risk involved in it, but I've got a piece of my heart about this thing. going to follow it. And so over a four-year period, four years and what, two months, it actually, yeah, from May 2000, or actually, I think it was April 2019. But anyway, from uh, 2019 to 2023, on an $85,000 investment, uh, we made almost $45,000. That's a pretty decent return, isn't it? Our money was working hard for us. Now, do you know how many times we had to show up for work to get the money? we never did we just received the money once a month okay is that because i'm something so special with god remember dr mize's ministry no it's not even even ralph mentioned that earlier it's just because i want to participate in god's system and i look for opportunities Here, and I I told you before, I'm, um, we're closing on a a property in in Idaho tomorrow. I'm buying a rental in Idaho. Anybody here wish they had a rental but the properties are too expensive? That's because you're thinking in California. Do you know there's properties outside of California? I bought a property, cost $82,000. It pays $800 a month rent, 805 I think it is. So at $800, Times ten months is eight thousand dollars, so that's ninety six hundred dollars a year. So how long is it gonna take me to get my money back? Roughly ten years. I mean you got other expenses in there, so let's just say twelve years. I'll get get the money back, but I still have the asset that's producing cash flow. But see a lot of people think, Well, I I, I don't, you know, there's houses all over the United States and even there's some foreign countries where you can buy property. Go ahead. Oh, absolutely, and, the, and the, current, um, the current renter has an interest in buying it down the road. So i got a potential person to sell it to if I want to sell it uh, on that. But now, what was my motivation to buy a piece of property in, in Idaho? Well, according to the IRS, you can go visit your property once a year, once or twice a year, but at least once a year, and write off the expenses of travel. Who lives very close to Idaho? Utah. Yeah, if you don't know geography, Utah. <laughs> where, where Tammy and her family, or where her family lives, is like, what, 10 or 15 miles from the Idaho border, and I can go inspect my property once a year and write off the expenses. What am I talking about? Thinking differently. See I, I, I've talked about like owning Vicelia. A lot of people they 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 internalize when we talk about property, buying a house, upgrading my house. Your house doesn't make any money. Your house costs you money. Now you might rent out a room and turn part of it into a, a generating thing, but most homes that people live in are an expense. You want to buy something that's going to create cash flow. Now, here's, uh, oh my goodness, call me Dr. Mize. <laughs> okay, um, I'll, I'll pick up on here and add other stuff in it. Uh, let me just co- cover it really fast. This is uh, Robert Kiyosaki's <laughs> cash flow uh, quadrant. And uh, you got four elements in the cash flow qu- quadrant. Uh, on the, the, the left side, you're actively involved. On the right side, it's more passive. But the number one place that people find themselves is the E, you have a job. You show up, you trade time for money. Uh, down in the S, you're self-employed. Uh, self-employed, like let's say a dentist. A dentist would make good money, right? They got their office there, they got four or five hygienists or whatever, they got all their machines and they're making really good money. But what happens if they wanna go on vacation? The income stops, right? And and so if the income stops, then you gotta make it back up, open back up when you come back in. But on the right hand side, you have people that start businesses that own a system that works for them. Sam Walton did this with Walmart. Dave Thomas did this with Wendy's. They created a system that they didn't have to be there for. But then there's the I, which is the investor. The money works for you. The example that I just gave on the investment that I did Uh, Once we put the money in there, the money worked for me. We didn't have to work. If you have enough things where the money's working for you, you have an income coming in that you don't have to show up for, which is a great thing. Now, if you don't have to show up for it, then uh, can God tell you to go someplace and do something, and it's okay because your money's still going to come in? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Think about that for a little bit. Now, as an employee... um, You over there employed. You exchange your time and effort for income. You don't work. You don't get paid. Big concept, right? Self-employed. You work for yourself, but you can. uh, But can you take a six-week holiday and your business keeps on going without you? No. Uh, The business is these people have people working hard for them, and the people that are working for them are the ease. They got a job to generate them an income. And then the I, they are people that have money working hard for them so they can play golf and have a good life. Now, I'll stop right there because um, I'm out of time. I, I like talking about money. I could went—I could go really long uh, on that. But the thing that I wanted to get across tonight, let's stand, um, is God doesn't want, number one, God doesn't want us bound by time. He wants us to be able to go and move for him. He wants us to have enough money that we can do it and that we can establish things for him. And so there's a system. There's two systems of operation. We are either operating under the God system or under the mammon system. And if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're living under the mammon system. And probably it's uh, self-inflicted. It just lacks discipline. And we can tweak it here and tweak it there. And you can change uh, what you're going to do. Oh, I wanted to leave. I wanted to integrate. Can you turn that back on? And, um, no, no, turn it off so I don't see it. Okay, I'm not going to get, I, I, I was going to start with where do we start? And I was going to give a little tidbit on every single one, but it's almost nine o'clock. And um, uh, I don't want to do that. So, <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for our time together. God, let us, let us understand your system, God, in the flow of your system that we can walk in it. God, that we change our mindset, Lord. All we've got to do is, is start moving forward. We've got to find the opportunities that you've laid in front of us. Lord, we have to know, God, that you are the supplier of everything and that you want us to have a free flow of supply so that we can live in a a life of sufficiency to abound to every good work. We should be the answer for life's problems. And God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, that as we go through this, that you open the eyes of our understanding and, Lord, that we walk in it in Jesus' name. Amen.